Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn how to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out and find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three, a songwriter, life coach, and wellness advocate, Liz Langston. Hey, what's up? Lizzie here. Surprise! Were you expecting someone else? No, it's just me. Hi! Okay, episode number 22, Life Before Postpartum Depression. If this were me listening to this podcast episode when I was struggling, uh, I didn't even know what anxiety really was. I didn't even know that that's what I was experiencing. I didn't know how anxiety related to postpartum depression. I didn't really know what depression was. Depression wasn't in my vocabulary. I was a very happy easygoing person before postpartum had its way with me. So I just want you to know if you're a little bit confused and dazed and um, like what is going on, what's wrong with me, there's something wrong, but I don't really know what it is. This is a great podcast episode to listen to. It's going to very much help you understand. First of all, I would listen to the whole series, the before, during, and after postpartum depression, but I would say that this episode is going to be the most helpful to most people that come across this podcast and also that find me on Instagram because most people start to have red flags raised, like something's not right in this time, the the before postpartum depression. And um, I really hope... You know, I had those flags raised, but I didn't really know how to pay heed to them. And I didn't really know how to honor what I was noticing. I had a lot of shame around it. I had a lot of fear and those things kept me from taking action. I also didn't know there was a such thing as a life coach that could help me through this stuff. And that's exactly why I became the postpartum life coach is because there really wasn't anybody helping in the way that I would have dreamed of having. Oh my gosh. So I am kind of what I wish I had. And I pray and hope that I can come across your path at a time when you are in the struggle that I was in. I am so pumped to tell you guys about everything I have for you today. It's going to be so helpful. I feel like this episode is probably going to be one of my most popular. I want to tell you that a lot of times the constant worry and kind of daymares, I call them like not nightmares, but daymares where you're just going down into the worst case scenario and you're freaking out in your mind. That's called anxiety. We're going to talk about what that is, but that is what burns you out and gets you to the state of depression to where you then just kind of are apathetic. You're kind of numb. So it's really important that you listen to this episode and that you hear me out on this and that you take these tools and implement them. If you're struggling and you feel like it's not been improving, but getting more severe And I really want to encourage you to definitely come reach out and book a consult with me. I'm going to teach you everything. I'm going to give you tons of value today, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Like, I think sometimes you guys forget because you're so in your struggle and you're so looking for tools. I will give you tons of tools today, but there's always the amazing option and the better option, frankly, in my opinion, uh, of just hiring somebody to help you through it. I do three months coaching package and you're with me. We have daily work together if needed. Sometimes my moms don't get back to me for a couple of days. Sometimes they're there multiple times a day. Just depends on how you're feeling, what you're going through. But I just wanted to throw that out there before I delve in today. Just know I'm here for you in such a big way beyond this podcast. So if you're like on the edge of your seat, you're soaking up this podcast, but you would love more go get more girl in the, the show notes here. You're going to find the consult booking link, or you can always visit me on Instagram at Lizzie Langston, L I Z Z I E L A N G S T O N Lizzie Langston. I'm on Instagram and the consult booking link is in the link in my bio profile as well. Okay. Without further ado, let's dive right in. 
So I have a quote that I made and it is so good (laughs) because I have lived this stuff and helped a lot of moms on it now. And I just know what it's like. And here is my quote. It is anxiety is like leg hair. It's part of our evolvement, not super useful, and we just need to maintain it. (laughs) Okay, so let's break this down. I'm going to explain to you how it's part of our evolvement. We're going to talk a little history today, talk about the history of the brain and the history of the sociocultural changes. I bet you weren't expecting this, right, when you came to this podcast, but I promise this is going to create a foundation of strength and understanding. Knowledge is power, right? So you're going to come away from this, not just with tools, which I'll get to at the end, but also really understanding your brain, the brain that you live with every day. This is the equivalent. This episode is going to be the equivalent when it comes to anxiety of it's like you just bought a new computer and you're not going to be the person that just turns on the computer and tries to figure it out as you go. That's what most human beings do with their brains. Today, I'm going to give you the instruction manual for your brain when it comes to anxiety so that you really don't feel like you're just grasping around in a panic and totally out of control. The first thing we're going to talk about is, would you agree with me that over the last 200 years, society has changed greatly to just 200 years ago, we were hunting and gathering Okay, we are no longer hunters and gatherers. Why does Lizzie bring this up? What does this have to do with helping me through my anxiety? It's important to know that comparatively speaking, for how long humans have been around, the change that has happened in our society and culture, the industrial revolution and industrialization has only been the last couple hundred years right? The last 200 years and, and humans, we've been around for technically 66 million years, but the modern human, the most evolved human that we are is 200,000 years. Okay. So for 200,000 years, our brain has been a certain way and it's been working really well. And then just over the last 200 years, there's been this steep curve in our outer environment. Industrialization happened. And now instead of hunting and gathering, gradually over 200 years, what sounds like a long time to us, right? That sounds like a long time, but for our brain, 200 years is the blink of an eye. All of the sudden, our brain is in a completely new environment, right? Relatively speaking. And so we have gone from hunting and gathering to buying in grocery stores. We've gone from working the land and interacting with animals to working boxed up in an office all day. And instead of horses, we're driving machines called cars. And there's not really a need to work and survive. I mean, we do need to survive, but it just looks so different. Everything is at our fingertips. There's a ton of options all the time. There's information and decision overload. And honestly, it's really nice. I mean, isn't it great? Like, it's so great we can drive to the grocery store. I love it. I love that I have Hulu and Netflix and YouTube to choose from. But the point is, this isn't the environment in which our brain has been evolved to thrive in. And so... As a result, there are some lingering, less evolved, I shouldn't say less evolved, but there are parts of our brain that don't exactly belong in our new industrialized way of life over these last couple hundred years. And they kind of are a nuisance sometimes. And just like the physical leg hair grows on our legs, anxiety and our brain's tendency to bring about anxiety, it's so much a part of our past involvement. So today I just wanted you to know that because you just kind of puts it in context. I think a lot of the question and the attitude people come to me with moms come to me with during postpartum is like, why is this happening? I just feel so crazy. And if you only knew how normal it was, once you understand where the brain has been and then the, how society has changed, it makes a ton of sense. 
Not to mention motherhood specifically used to be done really in more of a community setting where there were open doors and kids would run in and out of houses and it was like a community feel. And you guys know, you feel the pain of isolation in today's sociocultural temperature. Like we don't, you go to the store and you barely get looked at, let alone talked to. There's the self-checkout, you know, Whole Foods, you don't even have to check out. You can just walk out of the store sometimes. And so it's just crazy like how things have evolved so quickly and our brain, I don't think was prepared for that. And so sometimes we have little remnants of, you know, where our brain is still catching up to today's civilization. And that is anxiety. Anxiety is one of those growing pains. So what is anxiety? Definitely Google's dictionary does not describe it how I just did. I do think the way I described it is super useful and helpful. It's kind of blowing my mind. I hope it's blowing yours, but let's just get down to Google, right? The basics. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Google Dictionary says anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. Typically, this is important, right? This is specific to anxiety. We have feelings of worry and nervousness and and unease, but it's anxiety when it's specifically about an imminent, which means it's about to happen, event or something with an uncertain outcome. Okay. So I want to highlight again, anxiety relates to something that has not happened yet. And it's an uncertain thing. It's always in the future whether it's right about to happen or it's very far away, or it's not even close to even having a chance of happening, but we're just going down that road and it's definitely unknown. Let's give you a couple of examples. I know you guys are just trying to figure out what the heck anxiety is. When I was a young mom, I didn't even know what this is. Now, maybe you have dealt with anxiety um, or you have people in your life who have, and so you're more familiar with this. But for those of you who were like me and were not familiar with this at all, here is here are some examples. So number one, This is what anxiety could look like. Okay, your kid gets the flu. Maybe you have a toddler. He gets the flu. You're terrified that he's going to get dehydrated and possibly die. Like your brain is already miles ahead of you in the worst case scenario. This is anxiety. Okay. You're constantly looking for signs of dehydration. You may have to keep asking yourself, are those dark circles under his eyes? Or you're pressing on his skin to see the tone of his skin, right? Like that little skin test you can do for dehydration. Um, you ask your husband, you do research, you actually take him into the doctor again, even though maybe last appointment, your doctor said, just monitor him. If you're concerned, bring him in, but you're, you're the one that's concerned right away. And you don't exactly can't pin it down as to why? Like there's almost no solid evidence. It's almost like you're floating around in your brain. You think there's evidence, but really the people around you are like, "Uh, I think it's fine. So this is anxiety. When you're not doing any of these physical things, like taking them into the doctor or checking his eyes or his skin tone, you're lost in your mind, having terrible imaginations. I call them daymares instead of nightmares during regular day hours. You visualize it's like a horrible visual where you're going into the hospital and they put them on the nurses, put them on an IV it's in the ER because he's dehydrated. And the nurses turn to you and are like, we can't save him. And then you're fantasizing about how your child dies. And then you wake up and you kind of come to, even though you weren't sleeping, this is like daytime and you are like, no, or it could happen at nighttime and you start all over again. And you're back to kind of frantically checking his eyes or whatever. And it's not exactly cyclical like OCD where there's a cycle to it and you do the same thing every time. It's not that, but 
anxiety, the worst part of it is that when you're in it or these daytime nightmares um, that are part of anxiety sometimes, especially postpartum when you've got kids to worry about or your own health, if you're a very new postpartum, the reason it feels so terrible is because because of the way the brain works, you experience it all. Like as you're going through this scary visualization in your mind, you are literally feeling like you're in it. And that's just the way the brain works. When you think a thought, it immediately becomes real in your mind and in your body. Even if outside of you, it's just a thought for us, it can become so real. That is how powerful your brain is. We're going to talk more about this to give you a leg up over anxiety, but that's why it sucks so bad. Okay. That's why you're like, this is urgent. I need help is because it, it is urgent for your brain, not in reality, but who cares what reality is when in, in your own reality, right? We all live in our own realities according to what our brain is telling us. And our brain sometimes locks us into this anxiety panic reality. And it's so exhausting, which is why it can lead to depression. A lot of my moms come to me and they're just like, I just can't do this anymore. I am constantly thinking I'm dying. I'm constantly worried about my son dying. So one other example, maybe you had some complications in the hospital when you had your baby and things didn't go as expected. And it was traumatic for you to some extent. And a lot happened so quickly in the hospital and you didn't really know what was going on. And you still may not have been able to get the full scoop from your busy doctor or get to look at your medical records. So you get home from the hospital and you notice that you're constantly worrying that something else is wrong. And this actually happened to me. I hemorrhaged in the hospital postpartum. And when I came home, again, I hadn't seen my medical records, even though I really asked for them. My doctor didn't really, he and I didn't get a chance to talk about what happened. And my anxiety, so my anxiety was centered around internal bleeding, interestingly enough, which It seemed so weird and strange at the time, but it makes total sense now that I understand my brain more and its programming and tendencies around anxiety, which again, we will talk more about. A last example is health-related anxiety. So the previous example is actually health-related anxiety too. When your anxiety surrounds your own health issues or your kids' health issues, technically, according to Google, health-related anxiety is only centered on the individual, but this is the postpartum coach podcast. And I'm talking to a bunch of moms. And let me tell you, as one who has lived it, health-related anxiety, I think can totally happen for moms. Maybe it needs a new name technically, right? To be in the manual. Maybe it's like paternal health-related anxiety or postpartum health-related anxiety or maternal health-related anxiety. But when your kids are sick, you, if you have this anxiety, you go to the worst case scenario. You can't sleep even if they're finally asleep. Maybe you're sleeping on the room or on the floor. You're checking the humidifier multiple times. You're constantly checking their temperature. You're researching. You just can't relax until it's over and they're better. And that's not actually normal. You guys, like it's possible for some moms and some people to be relaxed and calm and have life go on as normal when their kids are even pretty sick. But when you have anxiety, it's like you're in full on adrenaline survival mode throughout the whole thing. And that's why you do get burned out and it it can go into depression if your anxiety goes unchecked and it continues on and on and on. So I just want you to know it doesn't have to be the way it's been for you and you can get help to get out of that. I can give you some tools. This podcast episode is going to help a lot. Um, And if you don't get help, it's possible that you could get into depression. I'm just going to be real and honest. Don't say that to scare you. Don't say that to make money. I just want you to know you can only be in that state for so long over and over throughout the day, each day. Maybe it's not all day long, but right over and over to where it's just burning you out. So definitely a flag to go get help to figure out what's going on and get some help. So why does this happen? We already talked about how that evolution of our brain's environment has gone a lot faster than the brain's evolution. Right. And I personally believe that the anxiety epidemic that we're seeing is a, is a result of that. Like I've already talked about, 
Um, I also believe self-coaching and the art of coaching is the solution. I think that in the next 20 to 30 years, we're going to see having a life coach or being involved in some sort of brain regulating self-coaching program is going to be just as common as a gym membership is today. In the eighties, we went to like this emphasis on physical health. And then this next 20 to 30, it's mental health baby, because we are struggling as a human race. And so I'm so excited that I'm on the cusp of that as a life coach that's certified with the world's best tools. And I, I just, I'm thrilled. I'm honored. And I love that I can be there for postpartum moms specifically, because you guys, I don't know. I personally think that sometimes we're a little bit overlooked, underserved, which is part of our own doing. I think we could speak more up for ourselves, but I'm just here to, to give that help and meet that need. So There's one last thing I want you to know about your brain before we get into the tools here, okay? That will help you make sense of all this more as you go through it. Our lower brain, so we have the higher brain and the lower brain. A higher brain is the prefrontal cortex. It's where you make goals and make decisions and really analytically think. And then the lower brain is the more... um, underdeveloped, the more, they're the less evolved. It's the, it's the oldest part of our brain. It's the less evolved part of our brain. And it is wired to protect us is one of the main purposes of the lower brain among other things that it does, like being efficient and all these other things. Emphasis being it's wired to protect us. Our lower brain is. And so when something feels threatening, right? Our brain, our lower brain's job is to play it on repeat and call that threat to our attention, our conscious attention, until it's taken care of, until it's no longer a threat. So here's an example. Like if you lived 200 years ago and there was a bear standing in your camp, your brain would not let you go back to cooking dinner or to go back to braiding your basket if there was this bear in your camp, right? Like otherwise you could die. And so this brain is wired to protect you above all else. And so it's going to alert, alert, alert. There's a brain in your, there's there's a brain in your camp. There's a bear in your camp. Okay. So you're going to have flags from your brain coming into your consciousness, like, like fireballs until you figure out how to get rid of that bear, whether you shoot it with an arrow, I guess, 200 years ago, or whether you scare it away, you're going to have it come up into your consciousness until it's gone, right? This is how our brain protects us. Similarly, until you can pop your anxiety, like pop the balloon of your anxiety and make it deflate and show your brain that it's not truly dangerous and somehow figure out a way to take out the threat from the scary things you visualize, it's going to keep happening. And so that's the point of all of the tools I'm going to teach you today. I'm going to teach you how to get down to the level of your brain and say in brain language, essentially, that's what these tools are going to help you do that. Hey, we don't need to worry about this because it's okay. Now you just can't just say that to your brain when your brain is in fight or flight, like protect you, somebody's going to die. And you're in that, that nightmare or daymare of your child dying or you dying or whatever, like, and having all these visualizations of scary things, you can't just be like, it's okay, brain. It's okay. (laughs) It's just not going to work. And so we kind of have to go through the back door. And so these tools are cognitive tools that are going to help you, like I said, get, get into your lower brain and really help it be quiet at an organic, real level in a very effective way. Um, now, if you need help implementing these tools, if you get this podcast and start doing this stuff and you're still struggling, that's what I'm here for you guys. I want to help you. I want to work with you. That's totally fine. I'm here for that. So you can come book a consult with me um, if you still have issues. But I'm hoping that a lot of these things that you're experiencing could be helped just through this podcast episode. Okay. So let's get started on the tools. First, I want to tell you how most mamas try to respond to anxiety. And again, this was me. I know this because I did this and then I see my clients do it as well. Um, so I'm going to talk about that, what people try to do and what they shouldn't be doing. Cause it's not helping. 
and what it's actually doing. And then I'm going to take you into the tools. So the first thing, the most common way we try to respond to anxiety as postpartum moms is we try to freaking run away from it and get away from it because it feels terrible, right? Anxiety feels terrible. It really does. It's supposed to, it's your brain trying to get you to not be killed or whatever. Like your brain perceives a threat. It's going to produce terrible feelings until you go take away that threat. So we just need to go take away the threat. Yeah. But until we can do that, when we don't know how to do that, what we do instead is we totally resist it. And that only makes it worse. We try to pretend it's not there. We try to like minimize it. We try to tell ourselves it's just a phase. We try to, or we just go down the road and we let our brain build, 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 build. And then we're so scared that we get into like a panic response and a panic attack and you feel even more out of control. So instead of resistance, I'm going to give you some lifelines that you can listen to today and store in your mind that you can pull out in those moments where you feel like you're absolutely just going to die. Just a word on panic attacks, a panic attack is when your physical sensations are involved. Anxiety is just in your mind. When you start to have physical sensations though, and it's building, like it started as a a daydream or like a nightmare or a daymare, right? And you're, and it's, it's escalating and you're starting to get really scared and you're starting to take physical action or feel physical feelings. That's when you do know that you're kind of resisting it. If it's a, it's, if it's able to build, if your anxiety is building to panic and panic attacks to where you're having very physiological responses, come let me help you. But basically what that means is that you are resisting the anxiety without even realizing it and it's building on you and you're feeling totally out of control and you don't need to do that. There are tools to help you. Okay. The first tool is kind of a visualization to prove my point. And so just follow me along with this. It's going to feel a little weird, but it's totally going to help you. I want you to imagine that you are a queen of a court. Okay. You are the queen. You're sitting on your throne. And the cool part about being the queen is, you know, you are in charge because you're the queen. Of course, the queen's in charge. Now you have a country with subjects and let's say all of your subjects, all the people of your nation, or at least the great majority, they actively want to implement a new law. This is a new law that you didn't want and you don't necessarily agree with, but let's say most of your subjects want it. Now, technically you're the queen. So you could just slam your hammer down and say, no. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. We're not doing it. But there will be consequences to that because even though you're the queen, you don't just get, I mean, you could actually, you do get to do whatever you want, but there are consequences because the fact is your subjects have a voice too. Here's your options as queen. If your subjects want this law and you don't want it, you don't agree with it. You can force the no, like I said, put your hammer down, but ultimately the majority could come back stronger with their opinions and possibly could even overthrow you. I mean, there's a lot of subjects and there's only one queen, right? So forcing the no would probably come out of fear of what would happen if the law was implemented, but you know, you can act out of fear and force the no, or you could take one for the team, be a queen of the people. And you could say yes. And here's the nice part is when you're the queen and you have this deep knowledge that you're in charge, no matter what, no matter what laws are passed, it's still your land and you can still have influence over those laws it's easier to say yes to new ideas and new laws because you believe you'll still be able to keep the order in the court in the country, no matter what the people want to do. You know that you're still the queen. Let's relate this back to anxiety. You can know that you're in control. You can have this deep conviction. Your body is like the subjects. Okay. Cause sometimes your body rebels. Sometimes your body feels feelings that you didn't want to feel with anxiety, at least. Okay. So sometimes with anxiety, your brain runs away with you from you so fast. Your brain runs away from you so fast that in your body, you're feeling all these feelings that you didn't want to be feeling. 
and your lower brain with its lower programming is, is totally catching you off guard and it feels out of control. But remember, you are the queen. Truly, at the end of the day, you are in control over your mind and body. Now, you can force the feeling away. You really can. You can eat something to distract yourself. You can just refuse to feel it and turn on a movie. But like that would be like a queen that out of fear of the new law, right? Out of fear of feeling this emotion that you don't agree with and you don't want to feel, you didn't ask to feel, you're going to just force it away. It could come back stronger, just like the subjects in your kingdom. They could come back stronger. Your other option is to just have that deep conviction that you're in control because you're the queen. You have the ownership over your mind and body and to allow your subjects to do what they want, right? It's, it's more of a relationship. This is cultivating relationship with your body. Are you willing to just allow your body to be your body? Sometimes you are not your body, but you are tied to it. Just like a queen does have to have subjects because the subjects benefit her, right? Like they pay taxes and help her live and she helps them live. It's a mutual relationship. And so if we're just going to fight against our body, it might fight back against us, but when it comes to anxiety, but if we're willing to feel the feeling, and if there's a sensation in your body, that's real, even if you don't love how it feels, you can allow it because you know, you can have the life you want, whether the feeling is there or not. You are not your body. You are not your brain. So many times the first reaction to anxiety as postpartum moms is we cower away from it. We push it away. We ignore Or we indulge it and react to it and we go down the scary path and we have a panic attack. What would it be like if you just allowed feelings like a queen allows her subjects to have the voice? She has her opinions and stuff, but at the end of the day, like they could overthrow her, which we don't want to act out of fear. But what if we weren't threatened by our feelings? I think, yes, our brain is threatened by the danger it perceives, but then on top of that in anxiety, we are threatened by our feelings. We're threatened by our brain being threatened and what that feels like in our body. And sometimes I just wonder if we were not threatened by the anxiety itself. Okay. I'm not talking about the scary thoughts. I'm talking about the feeling that anxiety produces. If we didn't let it rule but we also didn't force it away, what would that be like? What would your experience of this all be like? That's point number one. And feel free to pause it here and just kind of digest that, marinate it. I highly recommend doing that. Sometimes podcasts can be so full of good information that we miss the moments to really stop and let it sink in and actually create the change and implement it. So there's no rush to get through this episode and feel free to stop it and get what you need to out of it at any time. The second thing I want to talk about is The worst thing that can happen is a feeling. This almost sounds like an annoying little reminder when you feel like you're going to implode from constant exhaustive worrying and when your brain is on this fight or flight, scary, anxious mode, but this is going to help you not to worry. It's going to help calm that down. So I want you to remember or realize that in all the scary scenarios you might imagine during your anxious times, in every single scenario, what you are actually afraid of, what your brain is actually afraid of, if you think about it, it doesn't feel like this, but if you think about it, is a feeling. My biggest fear used to be my husband dying, and I had anxiety about that. And so I walked myself through it step by step. Okay, so he dies, and then what? Then I feel sad. And then what? Then I 
feel overwhelmed by organizing a funeral. And then what? I continue feeling sad. And then what? I have to explain to my kids why their dad's not coming back. And then what? And then I have to watch them be sad. I also have to watch them not really fully understand and me feel lonely with my own kind of sadness because I'm an adult and I do understand. And then what? I might feel spiritually scared and mad at God. Right? Do you see how they're all feelings? They feel, I feel, then I'm going to feel this, I'm going to feel this. And then what? Then I'm going to feel lost. I'm going to miss him. And that's going to be a feeling. And then what? You know, and the list goes on and on, but ultimately what we're afraid of always is a feeling. The worst of our lives, the things we fear the most are feelings. We fear shame. We fear fear. We fear guilt. We fear regret. I hear a lot of people talk about that one. And so I want you to think about the thing that you get anxious about and identify the feelings that you don't want to feel, the ones that you're trying to run from. Now, here is what's really the kicker. This is so interesting. I never would have realized this had I not become a life coach and understood the model. But as I've done lots of models on my own anxiety, which by the way, if you don't know what the model is, check out episode 14. It'll explain it very thoroughly and you can start using it in your own life and have progress in your own way. But when I started really doing models on my anxiety, what I realized is that anxiety, the whole point of it, right? Because our brain feels threatened is to avoid a negative feeling later on, right? We just figured that out. Everything we're trying to avoid is a feeling, but what happens is as we try to avoid the negative thing by imagining it, right? As if, as if imagining it in our brain is going to somehow keep it from happening. That's interesting how our brain thinks that running through the scenarios over and over and over perpetually is going to somehow make them not happen and protect us from them, but it doesn't. All that it does is really quickly brings a very negative feeling into our present moment, period. That's all that it does. You guys, I keep seeing the most beautiful flocks of geese flying through the sky. Apparently they're migrating today and I'm in Colorado and they just keep flying over and I'm right by the window and it's so fun. It's beautiful. So isn't that interesting? Again, we can just say some of our brain software is outdated. And one of the outdated aspects of our brain's software is that it thinks that if it runs a scenario that's really scary on repeat, it'll somehow protect us from it but it does not. So I think at the end of this piece, what I want to show you is that if nothing else, you can just remember how unuseful it is to indulge into the anxiety drama. Now you might be asking, Lizzie, it feels so real for me. How do I not indulge in it? This is something that takes some time and practice and it's a skill but I have figured it out and I'm going to try my best to articulate it. But again, this is one of the advantages of working with me over the period of three months, because you can try out what I tell you, come back to me and report how it went. I can fill in the blanks according to what you've already tried and what didn't work. I can reteach you again, and then you can go back and apply that and come back to me and make real change in progress. So again, if you want help implementing any of this, come see me. 
But I remember one time I was laying on the floor and I actually talk about this in my Instagram highlight called anxiety slash sick kids. So you can look that up in my Instagram highlights. But I remember I was laying on the floor in my son's room this last winter. He was wheezing pretty heavily throughout the night, but he was not bad enough to go to the hospital yet. We'd gotten albuterol and some inhaler stuff from the doctor. And I remember my brain wanting to go down this scary, scary, what if we have to take him to the hospital and then they can't help him? And what if he doesn't get enough oxygen and he has brain damage or he dies? This is where my brain likes to go. I have health-related anxiety when it comes to my kids. And I, once and for all, I think this was the last time, it's like I said goodbye to the crazy train. I heard my brain, I saw my brain go off in that direction, and I didn't go with it. It was insane. It was like, it was actually the least, the farthest thing from insane. It was beautiful (laughs) because I felt more sane than ever, even though I still had anxiety. Remember, it's part of us, like our leg hair. Yeah, we can shave it, but it's going to grow back. Anxiety is always going to be hanging around, y'all. I'm sorry to say that to you. I think the people who are trying to tell you that you can just get rid of it are the same ones who are trying to run from it themselves, and they're keeping that ideal. And you can try your whole life to be in that pursuit. Maybe you'll accomplish it, maybe not. But what I want to say is that I believe it's just going to hang around. And the more you just get used to that and can see it but not engage in it, the better. So that's exactly what I did. I heard my brain go down the tra- the the crazy train, like I call it. I heard my brain wanting to wander. No, not wanting to. It did. It ran away off into crazy town, but it's like I could see it and I wasn't there. I didn't follow it. I was like, no, thanks. I know that that doesn't help. So there are stages of awareness that have to happen as far as your mental awareness before you can do something like that, what I did. And the first stage is I've already taught you in this podcast, which is just realizing, first of all, understanding your brain and then realizing how anxiety doesn't actually help. And once you start to bring that into your awareness, you're already, you guys, having gone away from this podcast, if if you've listened up until now, you will already have a leg up on your anxiety. You will already see improvement. And if you continue to work on just allowing it like a queen and not resisting it, and doing a hard no, I'm not going to feel that, but just exploring it, which feels so threatening, but it's way less threatening than whatever your brain is scared about and you'll calm down faster. And so as you just allow it and do all the things I've taught, you could get to this point where you can see it and not engage in it. And that is ultimately, I think the victory, that's the victory over anxiety because it isn't going away. Okay, I'm going to wrap up here today by saying that I highly encourage you to try out things like yoga and meditation. Those were really helpful for me, and there's so many free yoga and meditation videos on the internet that you can find to help. I specifically want to give a shout out to a YouTube channel that I love and use a lot, which is called Yoga with Adrian, A-D-R-I-E-N-E. I'll link it up in the show notes. I have many thanks to Adrienne because she has helped me through a lot of stuff in my life just through her free YouTube yoga videos. You can specifically search one for anxiety 
and you can also do a, a bunch of her meditations. I just feel like she is so real. If yoga is not something that you are familiar with, she's the perfect one because she doesn't take you so far into yogi land that you feel out of place. She definitely knows what it's like to be a regular human being with crap happen in life. And she really walks you very casually through, but at the same time helps you have these very profound moments. You can tell that she has a very big belief in what she's doing and it's so powerful. So check her out. It's free, um, her yoga and meditations and just be gentle with yourself. Be gentle, be soft, be, be graceful with yourself during this time. I think the number one exacerbating thing that I feel like women do to themselves, mothers postpartum with this stuff is they judge themselves and they pour the shame all over themselves and it just paralyzes them. It paralyzed me. I had shame. I didn't even tell my husband the extent of my stuff. And if that's you, I hear you. I get you. I feel you. And if you want to take a baby step, you can reach out to me and DM me on Instagram. I'm always there. I love DMs from you guys. But ultimately, just understand that that is shame talking and that's going to stop you from progressing and reaching out and getting the help that will help you through this. All right. I love you guys. I hope these tools were super helpful. Please leave a review on my podcast. If this helped you, if this blew you away and you're like, wow, this is going to really help me take this moment when you feel excited and go write it in a written review with written words for other people to see because that's how people find this work. The more reviews I have, the more people can, can find it. And frankly, I love the feedback. Uh, it's one way you can say thank you to me. So take care. I'll see you around on Instagram. If you're not already following me, go over to at Lizzie Langston. Cause I'm always there and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, Liz here. When I was struggling as a mom of three littles, it was actually a podcast just like this that a friend shared with me that woke me up to getting the help I needed. Please consider sharing a favorite episode with a friend or leave me a review on iTunes to help other moms find the help they need here too.